Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day low actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details hello and welcome to a weekend edition of the managing madrid podcast Today, you are going to hear another segment of the Big Picture Podcast, and I am joined by Ruben Scherping. Ruben, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm uh, very much looking forward to the season starting, for real, to to get some matches which you can properly analyze. Um, but we're going to try, I, I guess, today anyway. How, how about you? How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. And I'm, I'm a little jealous because you're in Madrid right now, but it's probably really hot, right? How's, it is, but the uh, you know, I wanted to try it for the first time during summer. It's not as bad as I thought, but I okay. got to be honest, I'm not staying too much in the sun because that's yeah. a bit overkill even for me. In, in the shadows, it's it's good. <laughs> good, good, good. Um, well, I figured that we could talk about kind of preseason overall, some takeaways. I know the listeners really haven't had the opportunity to get your thoughts yet on a variety mm-hmm. of different subjects. and. I think the first thing I think the thing that's been top of mind for everyone is obviously the formation change and how it impacts mm. certain players and um uh and obviously fitting Bellingham in and so I just wanted to get your your takeaways after watching the three preseason games or four preseason games on on the diamond. It's very difficult to to make a conclusion because on one hand I want to be part of the critical side um pointing to every weakness to you know lack of goals and um maybe we don't have you know the natural goal scorers in the team and the Barca result was was awful um also Vinicius playing centrally is that really his best position probably not so a lot of negatives but I'm actually kind of excited with this formation. Um, maybe it's, uh, I, again, it's mixed feelings because I'm not sure if I would go with this formation if I were the coach. But we cannot forget that we're losing one of the best strikers in the history of the game. And um, if we were to just sub Benzema out with, it doesn't matter who comes in really, we will be worse off. 
so to try another system, two strikers instead, and um, also with with two strikers who can really we can really press now. This is also something that I've been thinking a lot about for so many years. There's always been one or two players who have been in the team, which meant that you know you can't really press that effectively with in Hazard. Benzema is a smart player, but it's not like he's he's the best at it. Cristiano would always uh, not do like he, he's not the the perfect player in that role either. Now I think we can do do that, and with the two strikers, seems to be a lot of potential for it. And um, I think we should focus on the amount of chances that we're creating. And we have also talked a lot about Rodrigo, how many chances he missed last season. Is is this, this could be connected to what the team is doing right now. Do we really think that the team will keep missing chances? For sure, we will improve. I guess the question is just how much, how much will we improve? Will we be able to convert the amount of chances into a lot of goals, the amount of goals that's necessary to to win the league. Do you you mentioned the press there? Did you like the press and what you saw in preseason? Mm, I, I thought sometimes. I mean, you, you could see that it, you could see that this is a new formation in many different ways, and that includes the press. So I thought sometimes I was shocked at how well it worked, and sometimes I was like, "Oh, yeah. okay, <laughs> now we're getting really, yeah, kind of." It's embarrassing how how poorly it worked as well at times. But I I, I just want to stress this is such a new formation, and it's like I think a lot of players will be. Of course, we have played a diamond before, but it was kind of a different diamond. I mean, you know, with Isco and Benzema, Cristiano, different personnel, different um, setup as well. I thought so. Remember that this is not like changing from a 4-3-3 to a 4-4-2, which players would also recognize. It would be much easier for players, I guess, to, to just shift into a 4-4-2 because that's a normal formation to play when you're growing up and everything. Playing with a diamond, such a narrow formation, it means that you have to try different solutions in the build-up and everything. And for me, it was very visible that this is new for the players. They don't really know it. But I also saw some very interesting solutions. And, uh, for example, the, um, the goal of Bellingham against Manchester United. Suddenly, we could just hit long passes in, um, you know, into Bellingham going on a run. And it was very effective. Some, some of the things we've done has been very effective. And we have been creating a lot of chances. I kind of feel like it's, um, it's going to be a very big uh, what if, if we don't go through with this and try it in a proper game. Huh. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, I kind of get the feeling that Ancelotti is ready to roll with this and give it a go. Mm. I think he's seen enough where he will maybe try it for the first few months of the season before he he bids it. So I think, I think we will see it at, probably this weekend or this coming weekend against Athletic Bilbao. Who do you think? And he hasn't start, been that he hasn't been that negative towards the media either when talking about it. Yeah, he hasn't. And the media have probed. They we've tried to get kind of more and more out of him. Are you gonna are you gonna bid mm. this formation? And he hasn't. Um he clearly likes like certain different things from obviously Bellingham's attributes. Vin- Vinici is playing centrally. I mean, that's what 
a lot of the questions that have been directed towards him have been about Vinicius. And he made an interesting point, which the more I watch, especially that latter Juventus game, because I think the quote was after the Barcelona game, but he made an interesting point where he said Vinicius won't be as impactful playing centrally. Like he won't Mm -hmm. have as much influence on the match, but Mm -hmm. he'll score more goals. Yes. And I think that's going to be true. Uh, We've seen it just from these preseason games alone. How many chances has Vinicius had? Like Mm. just countless. He could have had a hat trick against Barcelona. um, And we didn't even think he played that well. So (laughs) that's, that's what goes. I feel like that's the trade off here is, do we limit Vinicius's overall influence in the match and his overall impact in trade-off for goals? And I think that's kind of what Ancelotti is is going for, especially after the departure of Benzema and the arrival of Bellingham. And Keon brought up an interesting point uh, in the live podcast in Dallas. He said, well, we're creating all these chances. We're generating the XG is it just the fact that we have a team full of creators and no one to finish it? Because mm. in in our seasons prior, when we've done really well in the Champions League, we've done really well in La Liga, we've always had a player that's been able to overperform their XG, just be a killer, mm. just be one of those guys that, that is a clinical finisher. And I, I don't know, that that when he said that, it dawned on me, like, mm, maybe I was of the camp that, that Barcelona game was deceiving. That three nothing was way, way too flattering a scoreline for them, and I felt like this was, um, this was a good omen for Madrid. Like even though they lost three nothing, which just a obviously terrible scoreline, I thought they played really, really well, and all those chances would be converted on another day. But uh, that statement kind of made me question that perception and that perspective. So. I don't know if you have any viewpoints on that. Yeah, I'm just, um, I just think this point about Vinicius and his role, and you said, you know, he will be less impactful, but maybe score more goals. I think this is such an, such a good and interesting point. And I sent you a picture now in the Zoom chat, so it will not be visible for the listeners. But, um, and it's a very, I mean, it's just from two games. He's, this guy has just compared Vinicius's touches. In two games. First, it's the Copa del Rey final, which was would be a classic Vinicius game. And then it was um, the game against Juventus. And I think something that has frustrated a lot of fans is that Vinicius has been getting the ball in the wrong positions. For example, in a classic, you know, striker position where there's back to goal. This is not where you want Vinicius. But if you look at this picture, which I sent you, He's actually getting a lot of touches in the positions where we want him, but he's not getting the ball, for example, in his own half. Yeah. And um, so, based on what I see from this this picture, and again, very small sample size and everything, but he's getting the ball higher up the pitch, a little bit more centrally and less deep. And he will, um, you know, his goal. Help me! I, I, I'm I'm starting to forget already. The insane pass from Kroos to Vinicius yeah. um, was in which game? Juventus, the last game. Yes, 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 yes. So I mean, that was kind of a an Mbappe goal, you know? It, it was he was starting so high up the pitch, and he was waiting, finding room, and you know, he's so dangerous there. 
I think this is something worth trying. And um, I, I, I just don't know what other option we have right now, to be honest. I mean, Joselu, it's not, we're not going to be a better team with Joselu. Um, even though this is was this was my suggestion actually uh, a few weeks ago that it would be better, but you know it just feels it just feels wrong to to go down that route and um and also how how different is it if you i mean if Vinicius from a striker position drifts out to the left, Bellingham goes maybe a bit higher or Rodrigo fills in centrally i mean as as we've mentioned so many times, it's almost boring that you know formations are not you know. They are flexible. Formations are flexible. So I want to give this a shot. I want to see how it goes when we have players concentrated, focused, and not doing the silly preseason uh, mistakes. Another thing that for me points towards that we shouldn't like um, make too, too big conclusions based on this is that, I mean, one of the games, Modric was losing the ball all the time. And I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Cruz has also been giving the ball away. You could say that, okay, it's because it's a new system and it doesn't suit the players. But I would firstly say there's no way Cruz and Modric makes those mistakes at often, as often in uh, in normal games, in official games. And also, again, remember, it's, it's such a new formation. I mean, they will have to, we, we need to give them time to work on it for, you know, if we want to give it a, a real a real chance. So, I I think it's going to be difficult for us to win the league and difficult for us to win the Champions League with this formation, with these players, but I'm not sure if we have a better option. Yeah, and I'm looking at that graphic you sent me. It's really interesting for our listeners. Basically, in the game, and then, like you said, it's only two game sample size, one game uh, as a left winger, one game as a kind of left forward. Um yeah. 16 touches in his own half in the Copa del Rey final. And then in the game against Juventus, just two touches in mm. his own half. So to your mm. point, he's receiving the ball in much... He's receiving the ball in very similar areas, but just concentrated more in uh, the left wing and maybe a little bit more centrally in the attack and just higher up the pitch. Like, that's where you want him. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I think... It, I. I I'm with you. I'm kind of I'm kind of on the bandwagon of like let's just give this a true test and a true try and see how it does to start the season. Um I'm not entire what I what concerns me Ruben is what I've seen tr- in transition and I think the team struggles in transition. Yeah. yeah, and and defensively like there's so many times where we're left 3v2 at the back, hmm. like three of our defenders versus yeah. two of their on a counterattack or, or vice versa. And I think that's where we've looked vulnerable. And I mean, Ancelotti hinted that maybe he potentially did. we start from a lower block. It's maybe well, keep the same I, formation and start from a lower block. I thought you were going to say, because he actually admitted that he doesn't like the formation that much, that much defensively. Yeah. So it's, I mean he he sees it, but uh, he he and another thing I I find interesting. How much do you think he changes this formation? He makes the decision to change it, very big decision actually. But how much is about getting the best out of the eleven players, the eleven best players on the pitch, 
and how much is just about we have so many midfielders that it's about managing the minutes. I I think it's about finding a way to get your best eleven players on the pitch, and I think I hope so. I hope so. I think it. I think he's deliberately making the decision to sacrifice certain qualities of his franchise player, his best player, Vinicius, in return for fitting in Bellingham and his all his midfielders. Mm. Um, and like in terms of rotation and options off the bench as well. Obviously, the most depth he has is in midfield, so it does make sense. Um, I just the concern from the fan base and from everyone is: is this the right move with your best player from the best left winger in the world? And so, yeah. um, one question I wanted to ask Ancelotti uh, when he was in Dallas, I didn't have the opportunity to to get to ask one of the questions, but one thing I wanted to ask him was: obviously, a lot of the um, the kind of questions and narratives surrounding Vinicius had been overall kind of negative. And I just wanted to ask him, like, how do you see this change in position elevate Vinicius's game? Like what mm. areas of of Vinicius's game do you see changing and developing with this uh, switch oh. in formation? And I, I think I, I love that you bring this up. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, I think Ancelotti would be, he's the type of coach that would be open on that and, and would share his opinion. And, I think there's probably been a lot of thought behind the change. And I think he probably feels that, look, teams have scouted. Like we mm. saw how much Vinicius took a beating last year. We saw that La Liga teams kind of figured out, um, not figured out how to stop Vinicius because you can't stop him. But but really we're doubling down on him, trying to mitigate, keep him to the wing, to the byline, and then putting in crosses to no one. Uh, now this kind of provides a new wrinkle and it adds – new elements to Vinicius's game where yes. um, it, it, it's just something different. It's not, he, he's evolving as a player and I think it, it can provide um, just a whole new dynamic to his game. This is something that I've, I've thought so much about and, you know, Vinicius is a world-class player, maybe his best, the best in his position, but he does have some weaknesses and he is very much dependent on playing near the line, near the sideline. And he is, he is incredible from there. He can create so much. But he, for example, he doesn't um, make those diagonal runs like into, like, how can I, I don't know, my English is letting me down here, but like the, the messy runs or the, you know, the Robin runs, cutting inside. Um, that's not his speciality. He also struggles a bit, and you can see this during preseason. He struggles a little bit when getting the ball centrally in certain positions when it's a bit crowded. You just see that it's not normal for him to play in that position. And I think it could actually be necessary for him to have a few months of just getting used to a new position. And with him getting used to this, it could take him to another level you know if it it sounds uh, weird to say it because he's so good already but if he can also go inside and make these movements in even even more dangerous positions i think we can see an even better player and i i really want i i really want to see this being tried and you know if if Ancelotti now starts the season we're going back to the 4-3-3 with Rodrigo as a striker which has been tested I mean, we we just, yeah, it just feels like, as I said, a big what if that that's that's been missed. 
Yeah, and what I'm curious to see is we none none of these preseason matches did we see any team really implement a low low block, which mm. we will come up against in La Liga, and I'd just be curious to see how VDC is performing, how the Diamond performs in that type of situation. Um, I think it would be that's that's one thing where we we really haven't seen it tested. But I did want to ask you. Um, Obviously, we talked about the midfielders and fitting them all in. Who do you think starts? Who are the four midfielders? That's if we go with the diamond. Who are the four midfielders that start this coming weekend? Um, hmm. Bellingham will start. Kroos must start. Valverde will start. Does Chuamani get in? That's the question. I think Modric, um, I, I hope that we don't start Modric. Uh, I think he will be a very useful player. Um, oh, I, I actually, also, Kamavinga, he also feels, hmm. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think Chouameni could actually sit out and that it will be Cruz defensively. And uh, Kamavinga, Fede on not the wings, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, Bellingham at, at the ten, and then Rodrigo and Vinicius up top. So and, um, I yeah. I think it's going to be the exact same midfield, and I'm disappointed because I think Chuameni, the way he you played, mean the exact same midfield as I said, or yeah, I think it's going to be Cruz deepest, Kamavinga left, Valverde right, Bellingham. Up top, so exact same midfield. Um, you're disappointed. Yeah, I'm disappointed because I I've been so impressed with Chuameni in preseason. I think he brings balance to that diamond, and I think mm. with the amount of transition opportunities that happen with the diamond currently, the way we're playing, like you need an enforcer in there. You need a guy that can cover ground, and and the way he's been anticipating, been tackling. Just I think he. He deserves the nod if we're going to play this formation. Um, Can you drop Kroos though? No, and that's I think Kroos is our best midfielder in my opinion. So you don't. And can you drop Kamavinga? Yeah, so then it's Kamavinga or Valverde. Um, Mm. I I'm honestly not convinced that Kamavinga is a number eight. Like I I think his best performances for Real Madrid, aside from left back, have been at defensive midfield. Mm. Um, Yeah. A lot of people hate him playing there, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't see him like I'm not convinced yet. I, I'm not convinced yet. I do like when he has the opportunity to burst through midfield and has a little bit more open space, and it's almost as if he is playing left back, but without the defensive mm. respe- responsibilities. But yeah, I'm just uh, I think about the game against Athletic Bilbao last year, uh, last season in in Bilbao when he played defensive mid. He was unbelievable man of the match performance i remember it very clearly like he that's when he was really bursting into the team around january time frame uh into january and yeah i'm not like what do you think about cruz playing um in that eight role uh on the left the eight or or the defensive mid the the eight uh that's where i like cruz best like that's always he will will have more ground cover though in um in uh, in this system, no. Yeah, I mean, what I noticed, he, he could be he could be quite alone at times if Vinicius is uh, up front and uh, yeah, 
Yeah, that's true. Um, so I think he's he's you know I know people hate him playing as a defensive midfielder, but uh, in some way it also doesn't reveal all of his um, weaknesses. Yeah, actually. Yeah, I think it's a trade off with Cruz, and the trade off is worth it, just given how superior he is to to everyone else in terms of dictating the tempo, his technique, his passing range, everything that comes with Cruz's on ball quality and defensively like actually pressing and uh, defensively like one-on-one defending. He's actually like I, the Milan game Pulisic kept trying to cut inside and Cruz was there time and time again to, uh, to stop him. It's one. Cruz... Yeah. Because he's such a smart player, you know? Yeah. He's really smart. And he, he times those tackles well as he anticipates it. Well, it's when Cruz has to turn when the ball beats him, and then he has to turn and chase and run. That's when it's a problem. And when you're chasing shadows and when you're transitioning and those types of moments is like when you want a more athletic guy like Chuameni in there. So that's that's the trade-off. So mm-hmm. I think for Ancelotti right now, and he tries to mitigate that obviously with having two high-octane dynamic guys in Camavinga Valverde who can go both ways right beside him, even, even Bellingham for that matter. Three guys in front of him that can hopefully cover more of the ground and then Cruz just um, kind of keeps everything else in front of him. So I do, I do think it makes sense just on paper and personnel wise, but I haven't been entirely convinced by it. I think we've looked our best in that diamond formation when Chuameni is playing at the base. Hmm. Is there any option of uh, dropping Fede at all? Um. Feels like he's very important on that. Right I feel like people uh, are too quick inside. to to dismiss Fede. I don't, and I think with this diamond formation, he becomes even more important. Yeah, like I, I said, think so. You yeah. you need a he. He's the type of player that can play. He can he can cover so much ground. He's comfortable on the right wing at the diamond. Eventually, like forces him out there. He's he. I I think back to the Barcelona game, and I mentioned this during the live podcast, like. Keon and I were talking um, in the press box, and we were like, "Oh, what what did Fal- what did Valverde do this half?" And I'm mm. like, "Oh, he had that brilliant first time pass to Bellingham," and we couldn't really think of much else. And then I looked back at the highlights, and he had he was involved in everything. Like he yeah. provided the cross that um, caused the pen- the pen- penalty on Bellingham. Um, he's the one that won the Ter Stegen screw up ball out of the back and then passed it to Bellingham inside the box. Um, he had a cross to Rodrigo at the near post. Like he had a bunch of different opportunities that he created all just in the first half alone. Mm. And then we saw what he did against Milan scoring two goals. Um, I just think Valverde, people are quick to write Valverde off. And I think he brings a lot of to this team. And whenever he's in form, like I take an informed Valverde He's one of the first names on my team sheet. If Valverde, let's um, let's try to rank the midfielders at the moment. Who would we? Okay, let's say we have to play in a diamond. Who would be the first players to? You know, who, let's rank the at least four of them. Okay, so top four. I think that are you doing number one? Yeah, number one. Actually, number one, and and I was. Uh, secretly a little bit curious on how how much of a key player he would end up being. I know the price tag and everything, but we have seen Chouameni 
being dropped. I know it's different with this player, but I, I was a bit curious, is it going to be that clear of, I mean, with so much competition, but for me, actually, Bellingham is number one in this system. I think you need to have him on the pitch in that number 10 role. I think whoever would be... I mean, Rodrigo could also play as number 10. I love Rodrigo as number 10. But, you know, Bellingham has got to be there in this system. I, I, it's not like the system is depending on him. But it, it makes such a difference. So I I need to see him in this team if we if we play the diamond. What do you think? Yeah, I think... I think I'm in agreement. I think he's probably number one. I don't necessarily, like I said earlier, I think Tony Cruz is our best midfielder. I know, I know. In in this formation, I think, um, I think Bellingham's probably the most important. And then, then it's good. It gets more difficult. I mean, because I mean, it seems like you almost, um, I actually based on what you said earlier, I, I'm not sure actually who you want to to drop to play. <laughs> so many, many, many Kamavinga you're you're dropping, but uh, should we put Cruz as number two then? Yeah, I I feel like Cruz actually, honestly, like I really liked the the four young guys against Barcelona in that first half. I liked, it. yeah. Um, yeah. so as much as I say Cruz is our best midfielder, and like I think you have to find you a way to get it, you could get it. But yeah. I also did like that those four young midfielders together because yeah. to to your point on pressing high like i think they mm-hmm. have the best attributes to to do that yes so <laughs> so do, do you do you put Cruz at five now <laughs> i don't know i don't know what yeah, is, it's you, difficult it's what difficult do you, who do you have at two cruz i it's got to be cruz or fede i think fede also as we mentioned is so important on the right hand side i just think still um, remember, you, you mentioned the low blocks. We're going to meet so many low blocks. And Cruz is essential yeah. to break those down. Yeah. He he is, I mean, he could even be above Bellingham. But I, just for the sake of the system, I would put Bellingham first, Cruz second, Fede number four. And then I put Camavinga. Now, what did I say? Um, Bellingham one, Cruz two, uh, Fede third. Camavinga would be fourth for me. The reason is... Yes, it's pre. You know he's been doing well to a man in preseason, but I still want him to win his place in official games. And um, previously, we've seen players performing in preseason and not delivering uh, in the league. I, I I still think he needs to fight himself into the to the team. I wouldn't I wouldn't complain if I saw him start, but I just struggle to take any of those four outs. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think. If we're going by preseason, I think Chuameni just on form alone would probably be in my top four. And I don't think, like, I think Kamavinga after last season was one of the first names on the team sheet and undroppable. I don't think he was that great in this preseason though. But so taking away preseason, then yes, that would be my top four. If we're doing it just on preseason form, then maybe I have Kamavinga fifth and Chuameni fourth. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. But no, but what I love is that we can also juggle this a little bit based on the opponents. And um, yeah, so many different options. If you want to press, we can just go with the young guys. If there's a low block, we can even play both Cruz and Mordic. I know people, a lot of people hate that idea, but if necessary, we could we could do a lot of different things. 
with Ceballos and Aldeguer back, eventually you get some different options as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm positive. I'm very much looking forward to this. One question, unless you want to say anything more about this before we move on a little bit. Um, do we have bad finishers at Real Madrid clubs of football? <laughs> do we have bad finishers? I don't. I wouldn't say we should have we be, bad finishers. Should we be worried about the quality of you know our finishers. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say we have bad finishers, but I don't. I don't feel like we have anyone that's gonna gonna outperform their xG over the course of a season. Mm. So I think like. Vinicius, Rodrigo, they'll probably over the course of the season be kind of, I feel like, right in line with their expected goals. But I don't think we're going to have anyone that's going to overachieve. Um, and so that's where I think what's differentiated this team in the past and has elevated it is those kind of freaks and those supernatural goal scorers that just can pull something out of nothing and um kind of go above and beyond the the expected goals. But, What's your thoughts? I mean, based on the preseason, it seems like we have bad finishers, so that's why I brought it up. But I, yeah. I think just by not even outperforming our XG, uh, just by, you know, converting the amount of chances that we should, I guess we should be be doing well. And it also, don't forget that we had a lot of room for improvement defensively last season. And now that we have, I guess, changing to a system which Carlo even himself admits it's it's not as good defensively. Maybe it's a bit optimistic to hope for room for improvement there. But I do think these players can win enough games to win the league. Uh, with this system, with these players, with this coach, I do think it's possible. I um, Yeah, it, it depends a lot on whether we, we will convert the chances, but... Hmm. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm very. I guess the the word curious is what what's in my body. I also think I, I'm the kind of person if if everyone was too optimistic, I w- I guess I would maybe just automatically be less optimistic just because yeah I don't know. It annoys me a little bit to see so much negativity based on you know we have played so well, we played so many chances, but so I just for everyone listening thinking that that now I just seeing every everything as as perfect. No, it's not perfect, but. Uh, excitement i guess is the word i'm looking for yeah and i think i much prefer playing the way we played like creating a bunch of chances than playing the way we played under zidane in the second tenure where yeah. we just kind of sat with pragmatics eked out the one nothing wins it was pretty boring to watch like that at this point in my fandom and in my life, like I much just prefer to watch entertaining games than yes, uh, just eke out results. And maybe in the big games or like really, really important matches, like, Hey, I'm willing to, maybe we switch up shop and we sit a bit deeper and we have a specific game plan. But over the course of a season, when we're playing Almeria, when we're playing my work, <laughs> when we're playing whoever, like, yeah, let's go for it. Let's create chances. Let's, even if we can't yes. finish it, like let's have 28 shots. Like, that's more fun <laughs> than having six shots, scoring one, and then just eking out the result. So 
Yeah, because um, if we do have three, didn't I think you mentioned on the live pod we had three point two xG or something against yeah. Barca. They had zero point eight, if I can remember correctly. Yeah. So if if that's the amount of expected goals we're creating, uh, you know, we're we're gonna be fine. Yeah. How, however, I'm I took a little visit to realdrid.com and look at the the squad. Ooh. Four attackers listed. Four attackers: Vinicius, Rodrigo, José, Ibrahim. That is very weak. It's. I mean, Arda Guler could also be mentioned, I guess, there. But you know, no, it's. Uh, it is a problem. It is a problem for sure, and it's um, very risky to. Who who comes in if Rodrigo goes out? I think José. Lu... <sighs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. What do we do with this front line? I mean, Hoselu, every single time he's come in, has had chances. He just hasn't put them yeah. away. Um, besides a ridiculous bicycle kick, which which took my <laughs> breath away. Um, but he's had chances against every single team. He just needs to convert them. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that irons itself out. And I do think he'd be one of the first guys off the bench. I've yeah. liked what I've seen for Brahim, too. Like I was mm. surprised he got so few minutes uh, against Barcelona, even. Doesn't look, um, look it doesn't look good for him now with the you know just getting so few minutes especially yeah, I, don't, I don't think he's gonna have especially in big games I don't think he's gonna have a major role unless he he starts to earn it but um yeah I think I think that even I think if Mbappe doesn't come I think Madrid might find an alternative like some on the type market? of last minute deal on the last day hmm. or something like that. Interesting. Like a Vlahovic loan or something like that. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, that uh, looking at this, I mean, we are very much vulnerable for injuries, and you know, we 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 need all of these four guys to be available for. It's going to be a long season, so I mean, you need you this, need something for January February timeframe when we when we hit the Pintus dip and yes. we. We need just the rotational players. Like Ceballos comes alive during that time. The guys that haven't played, that's when yeah. you need some players in there and be able to run through with injuries and everything like that. Things like we were even sending Alvaro Rodriguez possibly on loan yeah, to Espanyol. And uh, Arribas is now leaving uh, probably for Almeria. And, uh, you know, so it's not like we have a lot of options at Castilla either. Now we're, yeah, we're, we're depending on getting Mbappe and, um, yeah, um, let's take you know every episode we have to like do this uh, <laughs> control check. So how do you how do you feel right now? I so there's a great saying: time is the killer of all deals, and it just I think it's been a little weird how much just time all these deadlines and different things just continue to pass. Um, now they're saying, "Oh, he'll sign before the Athletic Bilbao game." and Oh no! Now it's after August fifteenth, yeah. and yeah. I just time is the killer of all deals. But I do still have this sneaking feeling that it's going to get done. I think, I think Real Madrid are purposely waiting until the last moment, um, because it puts them in the strongest negotiating position. Because PSG is at the point where they're desperate just to get rid of them. I think. Yeah. Clearly, with and the they're signings. signing so many players yeah, now exactly. to replace them as well. Gonzalo, Gonzalo Ramos. Uh, now it's sounding like Colo Milani might end up yeah. there. Dembele. 
they've already signed so many other guys this summer. So all of their transfer activity signals that the deal will get done. Um, So we'll, we'll see. It's just been frustrating that this had to play out the way it has, and it had to drag out and drag out and drag out. Um, Mm. I'm doing, do you Go agree ahead. with me that there's one word which I want to use if we don't sign him a Pele season? And I want to direct this at Florentino. If you're listening, this is the word I'm going to use towards you. If we don't sign Mbappé this summer, I think it's almost unforgivable. I think it's almost unforgivable. I mean, we have this player who will change the whole team for so many years. He is there. He is available. I know the only thing... Because I think Mario Cortegana um, wrote something about you know just numbers he he could expect himself hundred what more than hundred million suddenly next season if he he waits he will get what's it eighty million if he stays until September he will have a salary of seventy million um, if if he stays at PSG it's big numbers here so I can I can see this is I guess the problem. But if Mbappé is available and if Real Madrid can get him for like, you know, a reasonable fee, I do think it's unforgivable to let him slip because we do not know what will happen and we just got to get this done with all of the circumstances. I do think it's unforgivable if we don't sign him. So I don't know if you you clearly laid out what you what you think is going to happen. Do you what is your feeling? I, I still feel like it should happen. Again, I mean, as I said, it's so so many things are you know, PSG want to sell. We know Real Madrid do want him. <laughs> are we gonna end up in the situation where Real Madrid get a bit accepted and Mbappé doesn't want to go? I mean, hmm, sounds I guess Real Madrid would never even send an offer if we, they didn't know Mbappé yeah. would be yeah. willing to arrive. But I just feel like it should happen. But as you said, you you know, this was a new phrase to me, what you, you gave me. But uh, I, yeah. yeah, I like it. Time is the killer of all deals. Yeah, because I, I do not like, you know, because every, you could say that for every day that goes, we're getting closer. But at the same time, it's such a big deal. It's such a big deal that, you know, we're not hear, hearing anything. That's not like, oh, Mario Cortegana writing, Real Radar having this offer ready to go. We're not, yeah, all the just, updates are the same updates, like just recycled yeah. and rehashed. And the original letter was sent what in June, and yeah. we're now in August. And the big one of the big dates was obviously the thirty first when he gets his first loyalty bonus. Yeah. So I don't know. I yeah, I'm think, very cold here. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Mm. Yeah. So apart from this, I don't know. Um, I don't know what's been. Uh, I, I think Mid- it's this Mbappe's this formation. Um, well, last last item we can uh, quickly discuss. You you briefly mentioned it, but your thoughts on Sergio Ribas off to Almeria? Yeah, I don't I don't know Almeria enough, but I think Ribas should be a good enough player to to succeed at a uh, club at at uh, that level. And um, it seems like we're going to get eight million for for fifty percent. Of uh, of his uh, his rights, which I th- consider a pretty good deal. Um, I'm still a little bit. I, I was hopeful that he would stay, but given what we know of Ancelotti and how little he um, he has trusted him before, I guess it's uh, 
uh, it's the right move. Uh, well, for at least for him to leave. So uh, I, I I'm looking forward to seeing him in play in La Liga. I I have you know I know that you have the same hopes as I yes. do for him. So so what do you yeah, think? I, do you... I I really hope he he has a stellar first season and just continues to produce the way he did um, playing for the Real Madrid first team and obviously playing in Segunda Bay. And I, I, I think one thing that Almeria has done well over recent seasons is they've gotten a lot of value for guys they've sold on, like Darwin Nunez to Benfica, Balo yeah. um, Torre, who they just sold to Atalanta, I think for 30 million. So um, they're one of the few La Liga clubs that I think sells well. So even if, let's say Sergio Ribas does really well, Real Madrid don't opt to buy him back and then they sell him on again. Maybe they sell him for 30 million and then we get 15. Um, yeah. And ultimately that's not what I want for him. Ultimately I want him to kill it next season and then work his way back into Real Madrid. Um, I have really high hopes for him. I've said before, I think he'll be the star of the Spanish national team at the next world cup. That's how mm-hmm. highly I think. I of love him. how I, highly you, yeah, yeah. You, you take a risk here. <laughs> yeah, and it's a it's a bold risk, especially because how many times have we seen like players from Castilla that just are so good, and then they ultimately make that step, and it's just it doesn't work out for whatever reason. Very few have been as good as Arribas, though. Yeah, yeah, this is true. Um, so so we'll see. I I just. The reason why I feel confident enough to say that, though, is because every time he played for the Real Madrid first team, he did not look out of place. And he always did something. Yeah. He left some sort of detail where you're like, yep, this kid's good enough. Yes. Um, and I th- and he's played in Champions League knockout round. Like, I feel like people forget, but under Zidane, he played against Atalanta away. I think both home and away. Mm-hmm. Um, he played in the earlier rounds of that Champions League. He start- He played in the La Liga debut against Real Sociedad away in Anoeta. Like he's he's had moments with the first team and he's yes. even in those moments he's looked good. So yeah, I also want to just before we end because I know I painted a very dark picture of our front line, um, <laughs> but for you know there is one player which we haven't mentioned who went to the tour of course Nico Pass. Uh-huh. Um, so you know such a good talent he will be someone who can be part of this front line. And if if we try to spin this more positively before ending, we do have Vinicius, Rodrigo, José Brahim as listed as forwards at Real Madrid come. Arda Guler, as I mentioned, Fede has played as a, you know, in the front line many times. If you also add Nico Pass, I mean, it's the numbers are not so bad if you look at it that way. So uh, I like, you know, kind of, kind of a good thing to have a, a thin front line if you have an academy player you know who you want to give the chance because it makes it more possible for him to to get a proper chance, not just a few minutes off the bench. Yeah, definitely. All right, Ruben. Well, as always, this was fun. Appreciate yeah. it. Appreciate looking at things from a big picture. Uh, next, yeah, week... this was uh, this was uh, you know felt like a long time since the last one. So yeah, yeah. this is uh, this was good. Yep. Yeah. And next week it all starts. We finally get to see oh. Ancelotti's decisions and where it goes from here like you said i'm curious i'm curious i'm excited i think uh this is i feel like for the first time in a while going into a season with that illusion like i feel like Mm. uh we there's just something i don't know maybe it's just because there's a lot of new players new formation like ancelotti's third season we don't know what that looks like just a lot of questions and so it makes it a little bit more exciting than usual 
the gold stripes on the shirts. Yeah. I love the kids. <laughs> Nacho the Fernandez kids as the captain, by the way. That's yeah. also a cool thing. Yeah, for sure. All right, Ruben. Well, as always, thanks, man. Yeah, pleasure. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.